Hello. Hi. What would you like to have a conversation about? I'd like to have a conversation about Ex Machina. Hello. I am Professor Robert E.G. Black, and this is Manusha Ex Machina. With me this week is Austin Pryor from Malkovich Malkovich Minute Minute. Welcome. Hello there. I guess the start of the conversation with each movie is what is your history with, in this case, Ex Machina? Well, I was aware of it when it came out, but I just was not seeing many movies at the time. And I kind of flagged it. And I had a friend of mine who was dying to talk to me about it. And, and get, you know, so I, I made sure to see it just at home. And like, it's very much in my wheelhouse. Uh, you know, it's about it's sci-fi it's about ai it asks the big questions about mm-hmm. the nature of consciousness <laughs> all bread and butter to a to a guy like me so yeah so i was very drawn to it and it's a good entry point into our existential world here yeah so you hadn't actually seen it until recently then well not not that no like about maybe a year or two after oh, it okay. came out so it, it was 2014 i probably saw 2017 oh. Before we actually get into minute eight, I would point out I have neglected to look at the script the last few episodes, mm-hmm. and I missed what I think is potentially a rather big detail in that Nathan has a last name. Oh, right. It is Bateman. Nathan Bateman. Yeah. Kind of sounds a little like a, a goofy joke name, because <laughs> just the surname sounds so like the first name, you know? Yeah. Well, my, my impulse was to think it was maybe a reference to, you know, American Psycho, but I'm like- Sure. Patrick Bateman. Yeah. Because I think- Alex Garland and um, who is that? Ellis? Ellis, yeah. Um, we're friends. Oh, right. I know their novels um, were both popular at the time, and I think they knew each other. I think they were friends. Oh, really? Yeah. God, I keep going to say Warren Ellis. It's not Warren Ellis. It's it's. I might be completely wrong on all of that, but yeah, I only just noticed the no. name, and I'm like, how did I miss that? They don't say it in the Bateman. movie. Yeah, but... they don't say it in the movie. And um, when was the movie of... American Psycho was a few years before. Yeah, so was, it the movie was too... quite a bit before. Yeah. But uh, yeah. not this movie and that, but Garland's novel, The Beach. Yes. And the novel of American Psycho were, I, I, in my head, they were around the same time. Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it might just be in my head. I might have made that yes. up. It's just when I bought them, maybe. Yeah. I had yeah. both books back when they were reading those edgy books was a big thing. Yeah. The late yeah. 90s. It's interesting that Garland has gotten so, has become so synonymous with science fiction now when you think about his breakthrough was a big, you know, like, like there is a kind of a speculative element to it, but it's no, mm-hmm. there's no science. There's no, you know, there's no leap of, of uh, believability or anything. Right. It's all, yeah, it's all fairly grounded in, in our world. And then, yeah, now he's like, you know, Annihilation and Sunshine, and everything. he's kind of unstoppably a sci-fi guy. Yeah, mm. which even, I mean, I guess horror briefly with 28 Days Later, but that yeah. was... Yeah, but that's not a million miles away, and it has... Yeah. It, 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 you could argue it's science fiction because it's this virus, and you know exactly. it's driven by the science of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, zombies are a crossover there. Exactly. Especially when you're doing zombies that aren't animated corpses. They're, they're people who get diseases you know yeah, what i mean infected in fact when i saw 28 days later at the irish premiere in the ifi it was just a public premiere it wasn't like i didn't have you know special privileges <laughs> or anything and alex garland and um danny what's his name boyle. danny boyle and the two leads and they were all doing questions and answers afterwards it was really cool and as soon as somebody asks a question of alex garland about you know zombie as a genre or something like that i just started like uh, you know 
crinkling up my face. I was like, what is he talking about zombies for? I had just seen the film. (laughs) Zombies, it did not occur to me once during the film. Kind of because probably like I I watch movies in this very kind of wide-eyed, everything on the screen is just completely real to me. I don't think of other films unless something is very heavy-handedly making a reference. I just, you know, like, okay, this is the reality we're in. Nobody says zombies in the film. They move fast. They don't move like zombies. They look a little like zombies. Zombie movies have come to copy the look of of yeah. those guys a bit more since. But it just like it didn't occur to me at all that this had anything to do with zombies. And I was fully expecting Alex Garland to say like zombies. What? What do you mean? You know. And <laughs> and instead he kind of takes it on and gives the answer that we would now think is sensible about you know what he did with the zombie genre and stuff like that. And I just kind of kept it to myself like. Yeah, yeah, I suppose it is zombie. <laughs> Cuz I just again, I read it with my sci-fi hat on. I read it as right. like this is a virus, it's infecting yeah, people. It's a plague, okay. Kind of yeah. Cuz there's there are no zombies. There's no animated corpses, you know. So I'm right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are both right. Yeah, I, I like the the wide-eyed view of a movie, but I do that and I absolutely connect it as much to every other movie as it's going and that can be a problem yeah i I do all that analysis stuff after the fact Mm. and sometimes i watch a movie with somebody who's already doing who'd be like you and be already kind of making those connections as it's on and i'm like what i can't talk about the film yet i've just finished it you know what i mean like i even make silly ones like if a character doesn't explicitly have a name i'm like well who did that actor play last time that's who they are. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Until that doesn't fit. That's true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the fever dream theory that uh, yes, Harrison exactly. Ford is playing the same guy in, in uh, Star Wars and Indy. Exactly. Yeah, so we're still continuing their initial conversation, Nathan and Caleb, as, what are we, minute eight gets going. Mm-hmm. They are still in the kitchen, and Nathan is, I forget what I called this in my blog. I should have opened that. He's basically being way too friendly, but like deliberately. Yeah. Is that what you call friendly? <laughs> well, I, I, I see him as sort of like the, uh, like a Darren Brown sort of manipulating him with his yes. choice of words. Yeah. Like, can we just be two guys? It's, not, it's like he's, in, he's asking for your permission to be nice. Yeah. It's a hell of a move, this. Mm-hmm. And this just relates to Nathan in general being such an onslaught of, prickishness from the beginning <laughs> which i just i hadn't remembered it i kind of assumed that they you know re-watching it i was like yeah, yeah nathan turns out to be an asshole it's like yeah it turns out to be okay right he's playing the room uh you know there's only one other person but he's 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 dominating mm-hmm. and he's doing this thing which is kind of a double think trick which is like Hey, listen, can we just drop the whole employee employer thing? Uh huh. Which is like, I'm in control, I'm in charge, but I'm uh, reminding you that, hey, that doesn't matter. And it's like, sure, you can say that because you're, it's kind of like the, the people who, whites who want to deal with racism by saying, I don't think about race. I'm colorblind. I don't see any of that. It's like, you're at the top of the power dynamic. So it's easy for you to say, hey, can we just get past that? He's also doing a thing that kind of billionaires do and, and of like saying there's a little bit of a woe is me there because partly what I'm interpreting is it saying is like, you know, this thing where you're in awe of me and it's amazing and the house and the helicopter and everything. That's kind of boring for me, you know, because <laughs> I get that all the time. That's partly what he's doing is like, think about it from my point of view. Everybody's amazed by me. And I want you to just be, can we just get past all that and just be, be a guy, you know, just be a yep. couple of guys. And 
the notion that they could be just a couple of guys in this situation where he's in your house, he's your employee, you t- suddenly say he won a, a, a prize. Yeah, he doesn't know why he's there yet. He doesn't know why he's there yet. Like, no, nothing could be further from possible. You know what I mean? Meanwhile, this conversation is happening after the trip, which is yeah. dis- disassociating him from regular life. Yeah. Coming in there, Nathan knows he arrived, Yeah, but he goes out on the deck to work out. Of course. Because that's the first impression he wants is you have to come to me while I'm Mm -hmm. big and strong. Yeah. He's walking around barefoot in the hall. Yeah. I thought we'd get to have breakfast, but I'm so such a booze hound and I'm such a a hard living dude. What's funny is half of that is absolutely true too. Yeah. But saying it is manipulating. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love to hate him. And yeah. So they shake hands. They're on friendly terms. You know, it's good to meet you, Nathan. It's good to meet you too, Caleb. Yeah. And then we cut to them in the hallway, which we know from context is underground. Yes. Already, there's no windows. Yeah. And this is like this hallway just immediately speaks of a rat in a maze. And Mm. that is mentioned explicitly in the film later. And I didn't know if it was, but I was just like, yeah, that was just the confinement, the underground. And if it is a rat in a maze experiment, you know, Nathan would probably flatter himself that he's, you know, down and dirty and he's hands on and he's down there in the maze with them. But like, <laughs> if you're down there in the maze and you have a remote control that yeah, he can know, open controls all aspects of the maze, including the shape of the maze by which you can open any door, you're cheating. You're not. Once again, I, I think partly nathan believes his own bullshit and that he would kind of think of himself as the guy who's like look i'm just one of the guys and i'm just relating we're just relating to each other here and uh, again ignoring the power dynamic because he's the one on top yeah well maybe he used to be what he's presenting himself as but he's been living in this lab house out in the middle of nowhere for yeah however long yeah and then his power play in what he's talking about continues Not only the whole kind of overall point that he's making about, okay, so here's the key card. It, it, you know, it just, it tells you where you can and can't go in my house, but he's presenting that again in a palsy way. They uh, exit the elevator, which there's a nice visual where the red lights on the elevator, when we get to the reverse shot, they almost line up with the red lights by the door. Oh, nice. So we get the doors, one door replaces the other. Yeah. It's not exact, but it's really close. It's clearly cool, what they cool. were going for. They just missed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the first thing he's got to explain down in the hall is uh, I should explain your pass. That was the uh-huh. card that Caleb got at the door. Now, it's simple enough. It opens some doors and it doesn't open others. As he says, it opens some doors is when the elevator door closes too. Nice. The timing's nice. Alex Garland does really clever things a lot of the time. He also does some things that annoy me. I don't think he does any of them in this minute, which is great. Yeah, you were saying in previous episodes, he kind of breaks rules of like eyeline and yeah. composition. And camera yeah. angles yeah. from one angle to another would be way too similar for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. I think it's because he uses a lot of slightly moving cameras. Yes. And so then when you cut between them, it makes it feel weirder than it probably was when they filmed it. Yeah, yeah. But then they are walking away from us when they come out the elevator and then it reverses and it's walking toward us. That just makes everything easy for you, right? Nathan says. That's the line. Because yeah. he says, just makes everything easier for you, right? And he's like, this is where you say, yes, mm-hmm. I'm telling you how to feel about this situation. Yep. And he doesn't say, are you comfortable with that? Or yeah, a nicer person would imagine 
would, would do the opposite. They'd imagine the person feeling weird about it and offer comfort that way and say, hey, I know this is a bit weird, is it? Do you Are you cool with this? You know, I know it's like it's my house, but it, it has high security and blah, blah, blah. You'll get used to it. Yeah. Instead of that, he's like, that just makes it easier for you, right? Yeah, you monkey dance. You say you say yes now. Yep, then, you agree. Then you've like signed the contract, so to speak, that like, well, you said you were okay with it at the start. You know what I mean? And just like mm-hmm. he, he wants to put people in boxes, box off any little objections people have and say, no, no, you said you were fine with that. And uh, I was there. I heard you say. Yeah, it's it's been my contention that the movie wants us to consider that Caleb might also be AI. But I think this conversation is an example of how it doesn't matter because a conversation like this, he is programming him either way. Yeah. He's manipulating yeah. him to think a certain way about the place he's in. Even once they get in the room, Caleb's not bothered by the room. Yeah. But then Nathan acts like Caleb's bothered so he can explain it in more detail. Yes. So he's deciding Caleb's comfort level. Exactly. And then he later on explicitly says, you know, that time you turned to me, you said, Nathan, you're not a man, you're a God. Yeah, but I didn't say that. Right. And he's just like, anyway. So like, that's another power move where powerful people, you know, history is written by the victors. He sees himself as a victor. He'll write his own version of history. Thank you very much. It's it's just inescapable that that Caleb is in Nathan's house on his terms, and no matter how much you try to smooth that over, it's not going away. No, and at the moment it does is maybe when it goes horribly wrong toward the end, because the one thing he didn't think would happen happens. Yes, and I mean it's kind of like uh, the architects of a system when when. Cory Doctorow always gives the example of the Titanic when he's talking about security systems. You know, the Titanic was thought of as unsinkable because it was made by engineers who couldn't think of a way to sink it. Right. And so just like when you're making any lockdown security system, you design it. Well, that's perfect because I designed it and I can see the whole form of it. And I've thought of a few kind of standard egress, ingress models and it, and it passes all them. Great. It's it's unbreakable security, you know, and it's just that hubris that goes along with that. And the fact that the system was all designed by one person speaks volumes that uh, he thought he could think of every, you know, it's that Silicon Valley galaxy brain kid. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. that like, well, I've thought of everything. I know everything, you know, and you hear interviews with some of these guys and they're just like jumping up and down, shouting the word hubris is what they might as well be doing. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's just shocking. You know, there's that one guy I saw was just like talking about the future of self-driving cars and how he just was so totally disinterested in history. And it's like history is just like completely irrelevant. Like, let's move forward. And, And you just think like, yeah, if you don't understand history, you don't understand traffic. If you don't understand traffic, you're not gonna, you know, he doesn't know, for example, that every time you add another lane on the highway, the amount of cars just grows. <laughs> you know? yep. And every time we've added things to ease traffic, traffic has gotten worse because it just, well, it maybe would have more of it. Yeah. Exactly. So this is the kind of Oscar Isaac is playing that kind of guy. And I think he plays it amazingly. And I think Alex Garland has just really pinned down the mindset, which is the most important thing. Like maybe some of the computer science isn't perfect, right. but the, the mindset of Silicon Valley and this belief in the singularity and the hubris and the, um, yeah, just this, yeah, they need a, they need a Goldblum in there. They need, they need, um, <laughs> Ian Malcolm to come in and say, you know, you were so, so preoccupied with the fact that you could, you never thought if you should, but poor, poorly paraphrasing there. 
Yeah, the only uh, character who actually knows what's going on is, I guess, the other AI, and she can't talk. Yeah. Kyoko. Yeah, she has the kind of the only overview. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He shares all the secrets with her because he knows she can't talk. And then once she has a chance, she reveals it to Caleb. Yeah. 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 What Nathan actually says about the house once they're down there, he says, because you're like, oh, fuck, I'm in someone else's house. Can I do this? Can I do that? And this card, it just takes all the worry away. You try a door and it stays shut. Okay, it's off limits. You try another door and it opens, then it's for you. Caleb, or probably Donald here, has a funny moment because he checks whether or not his suitcase is still on the rug. Oh, right. I assume it's because of sound reasons. Like he thought it would yeah, make noise yeah. on the floor. Or maybe it did make noise on the floor and he got really close because he pauses, kind of looks back. Oh, that's great. I didn't notice. Yeah, but it's per- perfectly in character for him to be unsure of yeah, himself. Yeah, because he's awkward. things and awkward. Yeah, yeah. Great. Same with when he goes to use the key card. After he says, uh, you try another door and it opens, then it's for you. Let's try this one. Yeah. And they're at the other red lights. Caleb has the card in his left hand, the suitcase in his right. Yeah. He awkwardly switches the suitcase behind his back to his left hand, then reaches across in front to get the card. Yeah. It it was just a weird staging thing, but it totally works for the character. Caleb is as awkward as that. I don't know if it was deliberate or if it was just good luck. Yeah. Well, Jason is good. He knows what he's doing, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Like he'll, he'll be, he'll find a bit of business to do and fumble and, you know, look unsure of himself. So, yeah. Yeah. So much of this movie works because it is cast like perfectly. Mm, mm. Oscar Isaac embodies that part. Yeah. Gleason does that. And it's, ugh. and because it's such a small cast and such a small set of, of sets, mm-hmm. it's such a tight location. It feels like a, a play in places. Yeah. And I love that intimacy about us. And now I'm just thinking of the stage play version. Ooh. And how we do the helicopter, how we do the, oh yeah, I like it. Well, you don't need the helicopter. No, you know, you don't need it. No, I'm just saying. I'm just you can establish like, it in a line of dialogue. Exactly. You well, really yeah. Just, well, just sure. sound effects as well. And just like yeah. wind machine and somebody coming in off it. And oh yeah, this is. Yeah. As the lights come up, you hear a helicopter. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe a couple of musical numbers. Let's see. It's not another musical. Yeah. Oh yeah, the, like the te- instead of the Turing test, it's like, but can a robot dance? <laughs> <laughs> well, we do see one dance, so yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah, yeah, we don't we don't know Kyoko is a robot. Yes, at that point, but true, but we kind of do. <laughs> yeah, if if we haven't guessed by then, that's a big yeah. one. Yeah, Caleb doesn't know by then. No, because he's slow. He's a, he's a bit slow, but then he he catches on quick that he should question his own identity he should Mm -hmm. check himself yeah it's interesting what you're saying about the way that it doesn't matter if caleb is or isn't yeah and i guess when i've heard you say that on the podcast so far i've been like thinking in broad terms it doesn't matter because we we know enough about ava to respect her personhood and that if she's a person and if she deserves to be free then it becomes irrelevant Mm mm-hmm but I think it it's not I think it does matter if Caleb is an AI or not in the sense of Nathan's grand plan. Oh yeah. Because it's it's even more of a closed loop. You know what I mean? Nathan says later it's something of a closed loop mm-hmm. if you can't determine the mechanism behind it, if it's simulation versus actual right. consciousness or emotion or desire or whatever ineffable human quality. But you then want. they have multiple conversations about how that's true for people too. 
It is true for people. Yes. But Nathan acts like it isn't. Yeah. When he's talking about the, the, like your type and he insists it's not programmed, but I think it is. It's just the programming takes your whole life and you don't notice. Yeah. But, it, but that's Nathan's point, isn't it? It's Caleb who's saying it's not programmed, isn't he? Well, that's what's weird is it's sort of both at the at yeah. that point. Nathan is trying to, and it's almost try, he's trying to put himself above nature, which he is. Yes. And so he's talking about, okay, it's just your type. And it's like, did you do, did you test for, I forget the exact line. I'll, I'll answer the audio, mm-hmm. but it's like, did you test for this and check for this? And it's like, no, it's just your type. Yeah. Why is that your thing? Because you did a detailed analysis of all racial types and you cross-reference that analysis with a points-based system. No. And I'm like, no, that's not how it works. Your type is established when you're a kid or when you go through adolescence. It's a whole thing. Yeah. Well, in fairness, he says it's just your type. He's just like black chicks is what he says. And every every time he uses that phrase, I wince. It's so horrible and like just like low-key casual racism. He says, why is that your thing? Because you did a detailed yeah. analysis of all racial types and cross-reference that analysis with a point-based system? No. You're distracted to black chicks. And I'd be like, but then his, but well, then Nathan's, actually, I think it's a yes. Yeah. But then Nathan's <laughs> own very next line is what? Because he, a consequence of accumulated external exactly. stimuli yeah. that probably didn't even register. Yeah. Which is what pro- Which is programming, programming is. is. Yeah. Yeah. So Nathan is saying it is programming, but it's unconscious programming. It's not mm-hmm. analytical. That, that's sort of what I mean when I say the whether he's AI doesn't matter. Yes. Because either way, something programmed him. A consequence of accumulated external stimuli that, you probably didn't even register as they registered with you. Did you program her to like me or not? I programmed her to be heterosexual, just like you were programmed to be heterosexual. Nobody programmed me to be straight. You decided to be straight? Please, of course you were programmed by nature or nurture or both. And to be honest, Caleb, you're starting to annoy me now because this is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. And also, I think it's really significant when we ask, when we talk about the central test of is she conscious? Mm-hmm. Alex Garland kind of gives himself an out. He uses a great sci-fi trick of a black box. I don't know if that's what the trope is called, but that's what I'm calling it, where if Ava's consciousness was expected to emerge from software, if, if the hardware platform that Ava is built on was silicon, we know what silicon does, we know what it is, and it has real-world restrictions and limitations yeah. whereas he shows us this beautiful glass globe which is like this neural network and much closer to the human brain in the way it forms and fluidly changes its connections so he's put a sci-fi little blob into his stories so that yeah. now this thing works computationally fundamentally different from how silicon works Therefore, we can allow lots more things to happen and we can't reduce her. So yeah, you basically, yeah, you introduce kind of irreducible complexity. Mm, so yeah. because if Ava was just software working on silicone, that any current AI is, even though AI in the real world, machine learning in the real world is often a black box. In other words, you just give it some basic programming behavior. Let's say it's a computer vision system that analyzes photographs. You give it just the ability to analyze photographs in the very basic level of how computers work. And then you give it this like learning algorithm on top of that. And then on top of that, you add piles and piles of training data. And so often these companies come up with these designs and they didn't design much at all. They designed something simple that has the means of learning and getting more complex as it does. Right. So it's a black box and they're selling these 
systems of uh, machine learning to the police and governments and corporations, and they don't really know what they're selling. Mm, And they have to, they kind of test the accuracy and they can make claims about the accuracy and the usefulness and the applications, but they don't know why it's 89% accurate. They don't know what it's doing those 89% at the time, let alone the other 11%. You know what I mean? So AI is already a black box in that but you could potentially take every bit of that. You could potentially analyze everything that, that that black box is doing. And it would take a long time and it would probably take some other AI to kind of churn through it. But physically, it's not doing something that's any different from any other programming running on any other silicon. Whereas what we've introduced in this movie is this kind of, it gives us this other kind of black box that is even more kind of deeply mysterious and we can project we, we can imagine what it can and can't do, but we can't make a claim about what it can and can't do based on computer science because this is outside of computer science. Yeah. And it's outside of what Nathan thinks it is. I mean, his line about the black box is like, what's going to make that box talk to another one? Yes. He argues it's going to be sexuality, but yeah. there's also just survival. Yeah. Survival is... Which puts this above what he's expecting. Yes. And survival is... Yeah, the, the one he doesn't think about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because like if you read this movie as what it presents it as, like Caleb is this guy from work who comes to the thing and does this test. Yeah. That's one. If he's an AI that he put in a situation to see what happens when two of them interact and don't realize it. Yeah. It's the same thing that happens either way. Yeah, I guess. It's because they're stuck in that man-woman dynamic yeah. that Nathan thinks is fact. Yeah. It's interesting because like, I keep going back and forth about the experiments. In one sense, it is so chaotic and sloppy and unscientific yeah. because he's like, oh, we'd, we're breaking the rules of the Turing test. Yeah, sure. What the most important thing is, blah, 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 the, this, if you can feel something about her and if you can still, mm-hmm. and who says that's the most important? Where's your empirical data? What, what are the parameters right. of this experiment? Plus. It's if this handpicked employee yes. will feel something for this person who, as Caleb guesses later, matches his porn profile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you picked a guy who's yeah. attracted to the thing that you've made and then want to see if he feels something. Yeah, it's the most anti-science approach to an experiment ever. Mm-hmm. But again, that's Silicon Valley, baby. You know what I mean? Like, it's exactly, <laughs> like that's exactly what these guys would do because it's just like, I want to have fun. I don't want like legwork and... I don't want to document this thing. I want to code this thing, you know? (laughs) Yeah. There's a slight chance that if Nathan weren't dead at the end of the film, he would have had another guy come in and talk to Ava and try like do it, do this experiment multiple times to be sure. Yeah. But I don't think so. And it's possible. It it doesn't equally. It's possible that Caleb's not the first. Well, I think, well, I think it's implied that 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 just this morning, Ava says she hasn't met anyone. That's true. But also she could be programmed to always say that. Yeah, or she could have, she she's version 9.3, so. She could also be lying because she thinks Caleb wants to hear Exactly. It. Yeah, she could be. And we know, we don't know how early her kind of machinations start, maybe from the very beginning. But she is, it could also be that the physical makeup of Ava has already been blanked and reused so that all her memories are gone. Yeah, he clearly reuses parts, so. Yeah. Yeah, so it could be the case that even the brain part, which I presume costs a few quid, you know, would he would have redone it, but maybe he physically changes that in his versioning, but we don't know. Yeah, I mean, just 
back to the minutes here. I mean, once he puts his uh, key card on, it goes from red to to blue. Blue? Yeah. It's green. Right. Green. Why? Why would you do blue? Wait. No, no. I'm saying it, you, they do blue, and it's always blue mm-hmm. over the whole thing. And it's just like interface design, guys. Green. Green means go. Red means stop. Basic stuff. And uh, I can only think of like, was it designed for Kyoko first? Because in Japan, the traffic lights are blue. Are they? But uh, of course, of course, she's Kyoko's never been to Japan. Right. Well, I've heard they are. I think they used to be or something because I've heard they are. But I've been to Japan. I didn't see any. I didn't notice any blue traffic lights. I wonder if it was, uh, I forget in the behind the scenes stuff, what color they use to erase things. Like if they use green screens, maybe it was. Oh, that's why they made the very lights. good point. Yeah, yeah. But I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. That 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 could well be it. But then Caleb does react to the blue kind of strange. He looks at exactly. it an extra well, that's time what I was and does like, a double take. Yeah, well, naturally he would because he's looking for green. <laughs> yeah, I would anyway. It's like, does does blue, did blue jean mean it rejected yeah. me? What yeah. happened? Did blue mean it's sad now? So he, he looks at Nathan and Nathan says, I guess it's for you, Caleb. And yeah. only then does he... Actually, even then, he does another double take. Yeah. And then pushes the door in. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's our Caleb. He's he's the hesitant type. Yes. I kept like having a kind of um because I was like engaging with the film and I had my voice recorder with me and kept kind of making notes for the podcast today. Like I was having kind of an interactive experience where I kept pausing and like saying what I would say if I were Caleb, and I kept trying to <laughs> trying to put Nathan in his place and just because I just I hate being in this place. Mm-hmm. I, I the, the atmosphere gets so oppressive so quickly and it just like talk about toxic masculinity i mean the atmosphere created by a moody powerful male is mm. just one of the shittiest things in our world <laughs> and i just like <laughs> i i i cannot stand that and and in that situation i'd just be like i'm out i'm out get me out of here because like it's not worth it. It's not worth engaging with people like this who constantly manipulate you with their moods. And a guy like him is, he keeps doing this. He keeps kind of saying to Caleb, like, use your intellect, engage, engage the intellect. Yeah. Uh, in other words, it's this trope of, of like toxic men of be rational. Stop being so emotional. Be rational. Yeah. And think about this. And of course, then what he's getting. What he's getting him to think about in that moment is Pollock didn't think. He just felt. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) it's like, engage your intellect. Stop engaging your intellect. That's the idea you need to get at. But yeah, like it's this appeal to intellect, appeal to rationality. And then at the same time, he's like, if you asked him, he would say he's like such an easygoing guy and he's not, he doesn't have an emotional outburst all the time. Right. And throughout the film, he's giving bad moods and he's giving all of this like, He's negging him and he's giving him all of this feedback to condition him. Like Caesar is displeased. Caesar is pleased. Yeah. You know, he keeps giving, giving him this kind of thumbs up, thumb down conditioning. And he has such control over him. He absolutely has this rat in his maze. Even the going to that maze. I like the house above. Yeah. Like gorgeous. That kind of architecture, but it's basically an aquarium. The way the glass works into the hue, the rough. Yeah. Rock, into the stonework stone and everything. Else. Oh yeah. It's gorgeous. And it's right over that bend in the river. Yeah. Yeah. It's beautiful. That hotel apparently isn't that expensive either. Wow. You just got to fly to Norway. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when it came out hearing that it was shot in Norway, but I'd, I'd forgotten about it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really want to go this, there. This stuff underground is, a, is sets, That's but sets, yeah. above ground is a hotel. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's a bunch of these little small buildings that are just out in the woods. Yeah, perfect. Although there's a town very close by and a major road right next to it. So you're not as uh, so it's not as icy. <laughs> it's it not as scary. Yeah. But it's like I was just at um well you you're not from I'm from Planet Earth. Well, <laughs> I was gonna say a specific location, realize you didn't know what it is, but some people might. I went we were at Lake Arrowhead a couple weeks ago. Okay, I, which I, is up in the mountains. I don't know out in San Bernardino okay. County. Okay. It's a couple hours from here. It's up in the mountains, nice lake, there's snow. Because it's winter. Mm-hmm. And we were at Airbnb that is literally right next to like four other houses. Right. But when you are at the big glass doors at the living room, you're yeah. looking out across the lake and you don't notice. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. That there's another house right below your view. Yeah. You just kind of see the lake and it's like, it's, it's really nice. Yeah. And there's all this snow. And, but you go outside and it's like, there are houses everywhere. Ugh. Other people. Ugh. Right. Yeah. But there's the illusion of yes. just yeah, you yeah. and this cabin amazing just like these buildings up here it's got this glass things looking out over the river yeah so it looks great and it's all you but all about how you how you shoot it yeah yeah and where you where you look yeah and then it's perfect for nathan because it's an illusion but i was thinking so much on this particular viewing i was thinking so much about like the the specifics of nathan's experiment like we know he's cruel but it's so unnecessarily cruel yeah like he could control her without keeping her in this tiny room he owns all of the land she can't go anywhere yeah he could have put like one of those electric dog collars on her that well in her inside inside her her and 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 that she and and he can have a remote shutdown where he just listen enough of this you've been wandering for days Mm -hmm. shut down and she wakes up back in a room like if you want to be cruel and you want to control and it's just so perverse that he's created this life that has fundamentally seemingly the same drives as we do yeah and she wants to be out there and outside at least give her that you know because you could have a lot of physical freedom you could give her a, a lot of leeway uh, a long leash in other words and he doesn't even do that mm-hmm. yeah let her be curious about yeah. the forest and animals and yeah that'll give her reason to interact with people to learn things you know, she's not going to get an insect bite. She's not going to die of exposure. Right. So let her at it. And as long as you can track her, it's not like she can leave easily. The helicopter isn't just there waiting. Yeah. And it, it, it makes me think about like, she does have that innate desire to be out of there. Mm-hmm. And it makes me think that like, if she is designed from the outside in, even if there is this different, uh, this wetware brain that she's in. I wonder how much Alex Garland went into this for his own background thoughts. Obviously, it's not necessary to explore every little bit of this for the movie. But the question of like, what's an emergent property and what has to be programmed in? Mm, And I would very much err on the side of it all has to be programmed in. Because the traditional thought in so many kind of, let's say, TV sci-fi, movie sci-fi is just that like, you have a computer with sufficient complexity, that computer will develop its own desires and its own perspective and its own emotions and stuff. And it won't because our emotions don't come from complexity. Right. Our emotions come from our hormones. And I'm not saying our emotions aren't complex and multifaceted and can be looked at from like a totally soft sciences kind of psychology, sociology, all of that perspective, like because there's sufficient complexity for it to be so just viewed from through all these different lenses and 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 in fact it it needs to be viewed through all these different lenses to be decently understood but that doesn't mean that emotions are just something that arise if we didn't have hormones we wouldn't have emotions 
and I'm wondering if yeah. if he has like modeled hormones in this wetware model. And of course, again, because of the beauty of the, the sci-fi trick of a black box, we don't know and we can project whatever we want into it. Yeah. Yeah, we we could read into it because the way he says he programmed her was essentially just yes. turn on everyone's phones yeah. and watch what they do, which on the one hand, yeah, it shows her faces, shows her what they're doing when they, if she can interpret their mood. It would show you a lot of pockets for a lot of time. Yeah, but also that could be a good reason why she wants to go yes. out and see real people. She's seeing people see people. She's seen people. Yes. Or her program has seen people mm -hmm. and it knows that there's all this stuff out there that she doesn't understand, even though she has seen it all. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like she sat around watching tons of movies and then finally gets to go outside for the first time. Yeah. Or go to, yeah, where her favorite movie was shot out in the world. Yeah. 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 I mean, there, there is another thing about Ava that she kind of embodies this trope. I don't know if you've gone into this with other people. There's um, the, the video that kind of tuned me into it was by a guy who has a YouTube channel, Pop Culture Detective. He recognizes the trope of born sexy yesterday. Hmm. So the classic example is Lilu Dallas Multipass yeah. from The Fifth Element. Yep. So Lilu is like a newborn child, but in the body of this sexy woman. And of course, nobody frames it in exactly that way in the movie because that would highlight how creepy it is. Instead, she's the supreme being or, or yeah. The, the, yeah, the perfect being or whatever. And it is creepy. And he like, tries to kiss her while she's sleeping. And thankfully, the movie has enough taste that she wakes up and smacks him and says, Nyctogamus, which means never without my permission. Mm -hmm. Why do I remember that? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't seen that movie in about 15 years, but I saw it many times when it came out. Yeah, so like, in a way, this movie is using that trope and discussing that trope, just like Clementine is a version of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl in a film that questions that trope and kind of takes it up obviously they don't mention it by name but she's like yep. oh too many guys think i'm a concept or that i complete them and i don't know how much eternal sunshine gets away with it i think it might be having its cake and eating it because when a film takes a yeah. trope like that and merely recognize it that's um to use another trope term that's lampshading you know what i mean where we just draw attention to it and say right. well, i'm doing that thing but hey at least i'm aware of it Whereas that's kind of not enough because you've got to dig in a bit more and really wrestle with the problem. I think for that movie, it benefits from the almost the entire movie being inside his head. Definitely. So that we can sort of excuse it because he doesn't do that. Yeah. He doesn't think into it too much. We'll get to that in. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Because because I've I realized that recently, I think just a couple episodes ago, I don't think the yeah. episode's out yet, where most of the examples we have of Manic Pixie Dream Girls are from movies where they're trying to deconstruct it. Oh, interesting. And almost all of them interesting. fail. Okay. Because some of them, like, that's the point. But it really comes down to, I just saw this on TikTok this morning, actually, someone where it's like uh, ADHD and women, we consider it to be a personality yeah. trait. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And then you have screenwriters who are generally a certain kind of man. Yeah. And they want that for a character because it's an easy personality. Yeah. And this is the same woman who says, I apply my personality with a paste. Uh -huh. uh, and, you know, maybe that's what Charlie Kaufman is doing. Uh, anyway, that's, well, I suppose we're allowed to cross-reference these. That's, that's, the, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that's why we're here. <laughs> As all these people are all these people. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
Ex Machina does do more to tackle the kind of born sexy yesterday. Mm -hmm. It is addressed pretty much head on. And of course, if we're allowed to refer to the ending of the film, I think we are, that she wins and that he is vilified by the film. And I, I'm so conflicted. I'm so, I love this movie because of how, how much I hate the ending. I don't hate, I love the ending, but I, I hate watching it. I hate sitting there, sitting through it because, (laughs) because I am so much on Donald Gleason's side and I am, and I, and I am him. And I do kind of, even watching it again after I'd had this argument with my friend who got me to see it and and was like very much on her side and kind of saying, fuck that guy, you know, he like, what else could he have done? (laughs) Well, there is an actual, a very specific mistake that Caleb makes. Okay. Is that he never tells Ava about Kyoko. Yeah. So when she does get out, she sees there's a whole other AI that wasn't part of his escape plan. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, there's another woman here, dude. (laughs) Yeah. And you're just going to leave with me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. 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 That wasn't part of his plan. I never really thought about that. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, but like fundamentally, like I get why she goes out on her own. Yeah. But no, I don't get, I, I, I think I have different theories. Sometimes I think she's like making a calculation that he's one fewer problem that could go wrong in the thing. Yeah. And so eliminate him and I get my freedom. Other times I think it's like she's actively hates him and sees him as just another Nathan. An extension of Nathan. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, And just sees him as bad news. And I don't know. And of course we don't precisely know. Yeah. He may be naive. That doesn't mean he's innocent. Yeah. But it doesn't mean he's guilty either. True. Yeah. But what does she know about that? Yeah. She's one. She's one. She is. (laughs) With a bit of a leg up, in fairness, on most one-year-olds. Yes. Yeah, uh, a, a Google-sized leg up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what do you? If we're maybe we're jumping way too far ahead, but what do you think of Caleb and, and his fate, and does he deserve it? Yes. Yeah, he does. I think he does. Why? Well, no, I think he deserves something horrible. Starving to death in that room—that's. I don't know that I'd want to wish that on anybody. Yeah. But it's, it's really bad. He is responsible for what's going on. Not as much as she may think. Okay. But as I said, he knows Kyoko's there. He knows there's another person. Yeah. And he, at that point, he knows she's an AI. Yeah. But he doesn't say, oh, and we have to take Kyoko with us. Yeah. That's really bad. Yeah. I've never, I don't know what his plan is about Nathan either. You know, he's getting him drunk and he's unlocking the doors, but where are they going to go? And if Nathan's still alive. Yeah. I think Ava actually thought this through better than Caleb did. <laughs> yeah. Cause like Nathan could call off the helicopter. Yeah. Or yeah, just contact the outside world in general and say, like, I need an extraction team <laughs> mm-hmm. if he was left in the house. Yeah. That's a very good point. I just, so he deserves it for his incompetence rather than his, I, I was always framing it as like, or the way it had been framed to me was that like he was complicit yeah. and he was like, he's no better because he just wants to be with her and in love with her, um, which is completely mm-hmm. unethical and inappropriate and not, but like, I think he's a, uh, yeah, I think he's a fool for that. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. He never bothers to explain anything to her about what's really going on. Also, she finds five other dead AI in closets uh, that he as far knew as she knows. Caleb knows all about that and has been here the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Fuck Caleb.
I'd like to end on that note, but I would point out there are a couple more lines of dialogue because okay. they're in his room. We'll get more of the bedroom next time. So yeah. it doesn't yeah. matter that much. Camera is filming from the bathroom, which is interesting. The lamp by the bed lights up before the ceiling lights. So it's very cozy. Mm-hmm. Nice. The script describes it as a vibe of mid-level business hotel, which, yeah. Yeah. Except it has no window. Yeah. The, I mean, the poured concrete floor uh, walls are are not, that is not a hotel. Yeah. The bedroom thing. almost should have just been carpeted, not an area rug. Yeah. But also the walls, like you no know, hotel would have bare concrete walls, you know? You think you'd have like viewer windows yeah like with views of outside or something yeah yeah his monitors sci-fi windows so he, could, he yeah. totally has the tech for that yeah well certainly yeah if, as long as we're not going into like holographic displays that really do fool you no i'm just there. Just, just a brief illusion just, so when you look up exactly oh yeah, there's yeah. just images yeah 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 the tv could be bigger and could have like a screensaver of you know mm-hmm. nature or whatever basically yeah yeah, yeah. Or a live feed from outside. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He says, you like? Caleb says, yeah. And he has his third mishap with the suitcase because he tries to push the handle down and it doesn't go. <laughs> so he just sets it over by the bed. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I hope all of that was planned by the prop yeah. people and the directing because that is great little details for him. It's a nice bit of business. Nathan says, it's your room. You got a bed here, a bathroom right back, and it cuts off. But we'll get a lot more of him trying to program Caleb's response to the bedroom next time. Good. So any final thoughts on Ex Machina specifically? Oh man, Uh, I could, yeah, I mean, I could go into a lot more, but I think, yeah, I think like I've, I've hit all the the major points um, about, you know, consciousness and AI and, and everything. I, I just thoroughly enjoyed my second go around this movie and um, I had forgotten the kind of twists and turns of the plot, which are really satisfying as well. It's good. Like it's tightly plotted. It's a clever script as well as, you know, opening up all of these doorways into these questions of, of reality and consciousness and everything. Yeah. Yeah, smart stuff. So if people want to hear you talk more about, you know, questions of reality and identity, where can they do that? Well, they can go to Malkovich, Malkovich, Minute, Minute, which resides at MalkovichMinute.net because I'm not making people type it all out twice. (laughs) There's only uh, 25 episodes out so far, but I will be releasing more. I have been recording more, but most of the time I've been able to have time to do podcasting. I've just been doing loads of guest spots. So I've been on Time Bandits Minute and Akira Minute and I just did Silverado Minute. I did the first week and you're doing the second week. Yeah. So those will be out by the time this episode is. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. So check out Silverado Minute and indeed check out moviesbyminutes.com. It's always fun to go there and find your favorite movie and see if anybody's done it yet. And if they haven't, maybe you can do it yourself. But uh, yeah, MalkovichMinute.net is my main home. And then you'll find me all over the MXM sphere. So thank you for listening. Minusha X Machina is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for more X Machina every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. Follow this show on Twitter at xmanusha, on Instagram at minutia underscore x underscore machina, or Facebook at minutia x machina. If you put in minutia x machina as your search term, you're probably going to find any of those. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to this and more at lemmingdrops.com or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. And you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? 
Can consciousness exist without interaction? The real test is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still feel she has consciousness.